This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by The Fiber Fix. Visit the shop online at www.thefiberfix.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, thank you so much for joining me back for episode 33. And if you are new to the podcast, thanks for listening. Also, I'd like to give a big thank you to all of you who have contacted me recently. I have such an awesome group of podcast listeners, and I really appreciate the kind emails and comments that I receive. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. So first off, why don't I start off this episode by announcing the winner of the last episode's drawing. Everyone who commented on my blog under episode 32's show notes was entered to win two skeins of Louisa Harding Thistle from Loops Yarn Shop and two beautiful hat patterns. I randomly chose between all the comments left and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Terry P. Congratulations, Terry. And remember to please contact me with your mailing information so that I can get this prize sent out to you. Thanks to everyone who entered the drawing. Remember, I usually announce a new drawing every episode, so if you haven't won yet, please keep trying. Now, over the past couple of weeks, I've been working on a few different projects, but what I'd first like to tell you about are my knitting projects that I did for the 2010 RAV Olympics. I keep meaning to talk about them on the podcast, but it seems like I keep running out of time. But I've really been wanting to share them with you. As I told you previously, before I left for Stitches West, I was knitting like a crazy person, desperate to finish these projects. I was trying to get them all completed before I left, and I did, so that was really good. Now, I chose three smallish projects for the Rav Olympics. But that turned out to be actually quite challenging for me. And additionally, I set the goal of blogging every day during the RAV Olympics. So that was just really time consuming and way harder than it seems. Each night I would stress myself out trying to get enough knitting done to have something to show for the next day. And then there was the daily deadline of getting good photos taken of my progress before the sun went down each day. There just seems to be no good replacement for natural lighting and photography. So the projects I chose to knit were three little toys for my daughter. You know how much I love toy knitting, and it it seems like it had really been a while since I indulged myself. I knit two of the toys out of Susan B. Anderson's Itty Bitty Toys book that I talked about in episode 26. And also, I knit a very controversial toy from a lesser-known book put out by the Rowan Yarn Company. This toy was a knitted turkey. Francis was the name of the pattern. And it was controversial in nature because it got many mixed reviews. People either love him or hate him. Either they think he's the funniest, cutest little toy turkey they have ever seen, or they think he's really super weird and creepy. Yeah, I have actually had people tell me that he is creepy. 
Now that's just hurtful and unkind. I just keep having to remind poor Francis of that rhyme. You know the one. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I keep assuring him that no matter how many people say he is ugly and creepy, he will always have a safe haven here with the rest of my daughter's knitted toy animals. We won't judge him based on how he looks. In all seriousness, though, I think he is so cute. Well, of course I do, or else I wouldn't have taken the time to make him. Truthfully, turkeys are not exactly the cutest animals in real life, but this little knitted guy is. He's just super round and fat with really exaggerated features. You know how something can be so ugly that it's cute? Well, that kind of applies to Francis, but I'll let you decide for yourself, and you can give me your vote in a blog comment. I'll be providing a link to him in the show notes. The pattern for Francis is found in the book Organic Cotton Kids Collection by Rowan Yarns. I really suggest that you take a look at this book. It is so cute. My friend got it originally and showed it to me, and I immediately fell in love with the little knitted toys in it. They're all just such characters. They're just really unique and fun. And if you're a toy knitter, then I think you'd really like them too. If you'd like to find out more about Francis, please take a look at my blog so that you can get all of the information, because I wrote a lot about this project on there. But here is the condensed version. I love little Francis, as you know, but I didn't exactly love knitting him. He was sort of a pain, I must admit. Just picture fingering weight cotton yarn, size one needles, and intarsia, and I think you'll get the picture. Need I say more? So besides poor, creepy Francis, I additionally knit the lamb and the wrap me up puppy pattern from Itty Bitty Toys. Both were super cute and actually fun to make, and they only took about two evenings each to finish. And that was definitely a welcome change after knitting Francis. Out of all the three new toys, my daughter's absolute favorite is the wrap me up puppy. It's just this cute little sleeping puppy toy with its own knitted blanket that you can wrap him up in. It's really sweet, and my daughter wraps him up and unwraps him all day long. She's kind of a funny little girl. She can be quite particular, and I think I know where she gets that from. But anyways, she really likes this puppy, but she's kind of upset with me because I knit her puppy a blue blanket. And she claims that the puppy is a girl puppy and it can't have a blue blanket, it needs a pink blanket. So I keep telling her that girls can have blue blankets too, but I'm afraid she's really not buying it. So it seems as though I will be making a pink blanket for the puppy in the future. Even though my daughter kind of drives me crazy sometimes, I must say it was pretty cute watching her through the Ravolympic toy knitting process. I would often catch her flipping through the Itty Bitty Toys book like a storybook, and I kept finding the book in her room, open to a favorite page. Every morning during the Ravolympics, 
she would excitedly wake up and impatiently ask, Does my turkey have its legs now? Or did you make the puppy's face yet? She was just really involved in the process, and it was really fun to be able to share it with her. Like I previously mentioned, I posted on my blog every day during that time. So please check it out if you'd like to see pictures of my progress along the way on each of these toys. So that's the story of the Ravalimbics, which actually ended about a month ago now. As far as my recent knitting goes, I've been working on a new pair of socks. Now, I don't really knit socks that often. In fact, the last pair of socks I knit was in 2008. But there are two very good reasons why I have chosen to knit socks for my next project. One good reason, and one, well, tragic reason. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like to get the bad news out of the way first. So let me just go ahead and do that. Okay. I have an announcement to make. I regret to inform all of you that three pairs of hand-knit socks have recently, well, have recently died. Yes. It's so sad. It happened so suddenly, and just so unexpectedly, too. It was about two years ago now that I got into sock knitting, and all of the socks that I made at that time, I wore constantly. I just kept washing and wearing and wearing and washing, and there were no signs of any holes or even any weak spots in the fabric that I could see. I just figured that it was due to my exceptional knitting skills or something like that, you know. But have you ever heard that phrase, pride comes before a fall? Well, well, yeah. Um, in one month's time, I unfortunately lost three of my hand-knit pairs of socks. And I'm not talking about little holes that gradually got bigger over time. I'm talking about hand-knit sock blowouts. Literally. The heels just blew out on me. All in the same place, too, on every sock. I'd just be wearing the socks, and one minute, they're just fine, and the next minute, my bare heel is sticking out of them. When I would take them off, they looked so funny in kind of a sad, pathetic way. It literally looked like an animal just got into my sock drawer and literally took a bite out of the heel. After further examination, I realized that the fibers on the heel were pretty worn down with wear. So one day, I guess those little fibers just couldn't take it anymore and totally split open. Yeah, these socks were definitely dead. I guess I could have repaired them, but instead I decided to go with Stephanie Pearl McPhee's darning method. I just said the word darn over and over and over again as I dropped them in the trash. After all, these socks that died, they were some of the first socks that I had ever made, so they weren't exactly gorgeous to start with. 
And after two years of wear, they were kind of getting ratty, so they just didn't really seem worth fixing. I guess I just figured that they had lived long, full, exciting lives, and it was just time. Time for me to let them go. Now, I'm not in love with the idea of throwing away hand knits, but sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do. <sighs> so basically, I think that it's time for me to start knitting socks again. And that's why I started on this new pattern. The pattern that I'm currently working on is the Snicket Socks pattern. And I've been wanting to make this pattern for a really long time now. If you haven't seen them, you should really check them out. Of course, I'll provide a link. But if I had to describe them, it's just a pretty simple all-over stitch pattern done with these really tiny cables. And the design makes kind of like diamonds. I don't know. I'm so bad at describing things. But they're really, really cool looking. I just absolutely love the design, and I love the way it looks knitted up. But I, unfortunately, don't feel quite the same about the written pattern instructions. Honestly, I just think that they could have been written a little bit clearer. This pattern has a chart and written instructions for the main stitch pattern, which is usually a good thing. When a pattern offers both like that, I usually like to start with the written instructions first, get a feel for what I'm doing before I start working from the chart. I like this method because by not starting from the chart, I don't have to keep looking down and refreshing my memory about what all of the symbols mean. Since I had already been working from the written instructions, I already know the techniques that I'm using. But with this pattern, that method didn't exactly work as planned. This could just be me, but I didn't feel like the written instructions were entirely accurate. I found that I kept being off by one stitch and it just wasn't lining up right. So because of that, I quickly move on to the chart instructions, which made a lot more sense. Only not all the details are included in the chart instructions, but they're in the written instructions. So basically what I learned about it is that you have to use both charted and written instructions, not either or. But please, if you like this pattern, don't let this detour you. A ton of knitters have successfully made these socks over on Ravelry. And I like the design so much that I'm definitely willing to work through these little issues. I think it's going to be worth it. Right now, I'm about halfway done with one of my socks, and it is really, really beautiful. The pattern calls for a short row heel, but I've decided to modify that and work a traditional heel instead. I also did a slip stitch pattern on the heel flap to try to reinforce it, since that seemed to be my problem area on my poor deceased socks. I really hope that that makes a difference. I've decided to knit these socks on DPNs, or double pointed needles, and when I started my project, I had five, five metal double pointed needles. Now, I'm down to three metal needles 
and one bamboo double-pointed needle. It's the weirdest thing. I'll be sitting on my couch, knitting my socks, minding my own business, and then I'll get up for one reason or the other, come back, and one of my DPNs is nowhere to be found. And I mean nowhere. It's like it disappeared into thin air. I've looked everywhere. I removed all of the couch cushions, and I found hair clips, stitch markers, yarn ends, crumbs, and lots and lots and lots of dirt, but no double-pointed needles. I've even looked under the couch, and nothing. And since this has happened to me twice now, with two of my double-pointed needles, I'm kind of starting to think it's a conspiracy or something. But you know what's happened to me in the past, which I always find kind of funny? And maybe it's happened to you too. Have you ever been knitting with a long sleeve shirt on and one of your double-pointed needles slips down your sleeve? That happens to me a lot, and a tiny little double-pointed needle can remain virtually undetectable for quite a long time. There's been many times where I'm ripping my house apart looking for a double-pointed needle, and it's been in my sleeve. But since I'm wise to the sleeve thing now, that's the first place I checked when these two double-pointed needles went missing. Yeah, these needles, they are just gone. So now I'm knitting with three metal and one bamboo needle. And this has caused me to rediscover how much I hate bamboo needles. That's all I used to use, but now I cannot stand even one in my knitting project. I have to push the stitches across that needle so hard to get them to the other side so I can knit with them. They drag so much. I just dread when that bamboo needle comes around in my circular knitting, especially on the cabled part. Oh well. So anyways, I don't know if you've noticed, but I only told you the tragic reason for me to start knitting socks again. But besides the sock loss, there is another reason, a really exciting reason, that I've chosen to knit a pair of socks right at this moment. I wanted to knit these socks so that I could try out a very special new yarn. Which brings me to... Bring on the product reviews. Right now, I am working with a beautiful two-ply sock yarn called Meringue Merino by Wool Candy. But the very extra awesome special thing about it is that it's a limited edition colorway that I'm using. And the colorway is called... Never Not Knitting Green. Yes, that's right, people. I have my own yarn color now. Isn't that so cool? Now, if you know me, you'll know that I'm absolutely crazy about the color green. I wear green, I knit with green, my living room walls are green. It only makes sense that a Never Not Knitting colorway would be green. And what a beautiful green it is, too. It contains many shades of a beautiful olive or mossy green tone, which is my absolute favorite. And it also has these little flecks 
of a brighter, more pea-colored green in it as well. It really resembles the color of the ball of yarn on my Never Not Knitting logo. And I know I'm biased and all, but I find that color to be pretty much perfect. This yarn contains many shades of green, but it's not wildly variegated. Instead, it produces a pretty tonal look with a lot of depth to it. It looks really, really good with this Snicket sock pattern. I can't wait to post photos. But aside from the color, which I think we've established that I love, the yarn itself is also quite nice. This is my first time using a wool candy yarn. The dyer is from California, like I am, so I've heard a fair bit about her in the past. And actually on my knitting retreat that I attended last fall, I got to see her yarns in person and they were really nice. I've heard nothing but tons of great things about her product, so I was super excited when Wool Candy sent me the yarn to try out, especially since it was in a color named after myself, of course. I've used plenty of Superwash Merino two-ply sock yarns in the past, and there's many out in the market right now. But what I like about this one in particular is the way that the plies are spun. It feels sturdy, but it's also soft at the same time. I've worked with some sock yarns in the past that are spun so tightly that they can be a little bit coarse. They're sturdy, but they're kind of coarse. But the twist on the Meringue Merino feels just right to me. It's soft with just enough spin to add strength and to have good stitch definition. It really is a joy to knit with. Since it's a superwash yarn, it's great for socks, and it would be a great choice for a natural fiber baby garment as well. I hear a lot of knitters say that they have to go with acrylic if they're knitting a baby item so that it can be washed, but that's not really the case anymore. Superwash wools can be machine washed and in many instances machine dried as well, and they're really soft too. I think acrylic has its place and all, but for me at a baby shower, I think I'd rather give a soft natural fiber item as a gift. So as you can tell, I'm pretty much super, super duper, really very excited about my new special colorway, Never Not Knitting Green. I've known about it for a while now, and it's been really hard to have to wait until now to tell everybody. It's just so fun. As I mentioned earlier, this truly is a limited edition colorway. And it's going to be sold exclusively through this episode's sponsor, The FiberFix, which is this great little yarn shop that you can find at www.thefiberfix.com. She only has a limited amount of this special colorway in stock right at this moment. So if you are a diehard green fanatic like I am, it would be in your best interest to act quickly. Once they're gone though, not to worry. You can pre-order off of her site, and I will provide a link in the show notes that shows you where to do so. If you're not into the color green, however, don't worry. I, I won't hold it against you, I promise. And you'll be happy to know that the FiberFix also offers this beautiful meringue merino yarn in a variety of other beautiful hand-dyed colorways, as well as a DK weight version, a cashmere blend, and a sport weight wool and alpaca blend. 
so you have lots to choose from. And all of these different weights and blends are all in the same really pretty hand-dyed colorways by Wool Candy. Her particular dye process is described on the FiberFix site as dyeing in layers, one over the other, until the perfect luminous dimensional shade is reached. Sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? You should definitely head over to the FiberFix site and check out the colorways for yourself. Besides wool candy, the FiberFix carries some of my very favorite yarn lines like Malabrigo, Madeline Tosh, and Becoming Art. All of those great hand-dyed yarns that we all love. The owner, Vanessa, says that she's going to be getting more wool candy and more Madeline Tosh in stock really soon. So be sure to sign up for the FiberFix newsletter to keep in touch. If any of these yarns that I've just mentioned appeal to you, I am happy to announce that all yarns at the FiberFix will be 10% off from April 1st to April 18th in honor of the shop's one year anniversary. The FiberFix does ship internationally, but for US customers, you can additionally get free shipping if you order three skeins or more. So please go check out this little shop. And of course the Never Not Knitting colorway. You can't miss that. Another special thing about this colorway is that I got to sign and write a special little message on all of the yarn labels. And that was really fun. I really hope that you enjoy it. Of course, as you know, practically every episode I announce a new drawing, and this episode is no exception. On my blog in the next few days, I'm going to be posting a special drawing giveaway blog post where you will have a chance to enter to win one skein of meringue merino in the Never Not Knitting Green colorway provided by the FiberFix, as well as a copy of my Amelie sock pattern and the Molly hat pattern, since they both call for a fingering weight yarn. That way, the winner can knit a Never Not Knitting pattern with the Never Not Knitting colorway. Now, how cool is that? So remember, please be sure to check my blog in the next couple of days to enter. I'll randomly choose between all of the entries and be announcing the winner on the next podcast episode. In this episode of Never Not Knitting, I have the privilege of sharing a knitting story from podcast listener Kelly. And this is her story of the never-ending scarf. I'm a reformed knitter, a convert, if you will. About 10 years ago, I thought that knitting and crochet was for grannies who sat on porches in their rocking chairs. I swore I would never learn, would even curl my nose if you mentioned it, Well, one day my in-laws come to visit, and my husband decides to take his father and the children fishing. He begs me to entertain his mother while they are out. What am I supposed to do with her, I ask? Hey, why don't you let her teach you how to crochet? She would love that, he replies with a sparkle in his eye. He knew I would rather go to the dentist. Well... We meet up with them, 
and see the men folk off. I twiddle my thumbs, ask about their trip, comment on the weather. After a, a bit of awkward silence, I reluctantly ask if she would like to show me a thing or two about crochet. Well, she burst into excited action and tugged out a lovely skein of yarn from her purse. She had been waiting for me to ask. Apparently, my husband told her I was interested in learning. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I hated it. I couldn't even get my hands to do what my brain said I should. And the yarn was even more hard of hearing. By the end of the afternoon, I had a terrible-looking sampler swatch. My mother-in-law asks if I'm going to tear it out, and the stubborn me replies, Absolutely not! I turned that monstrosity into a doll blanket for my daughter. In the process of not giving up, I discovered that I rather enjoyed a certain stitch, a shell stitch. I decide to make one more thing, and then that would be it. I started crocheting a blanket on our move from Texas to Alaska. Yes, we drove it with two toddlers and a dog. Before I knew it, I had no idea how to stop. I worked on that blanket for 18 months before finally running out of yarn. When I was finished, we had a queen-sized blanket for our bed. Of course, by then I had the crocheting bug, but still thought that knitting was something that I swore I would never do. Years go by, and one day I pick up a learn-to-knit-in-a-weekend type of book. Maybe someone gave it to me. I don't remember. I figure I'll try it out so that way I had a reason to hate it. All day Friday. All day Saturday, screams could be heard and yarn flying across the room as needles clack on the floor. I was furious that I couldn't figure it out. And that was all I needed to want to keep trying. I didn't want the yarn to win. By now, you're probably wondering how the never-ending scarf fits into the story. Well, let's fast forward a bit. I've now learned how to make hats, how to knit hats, big ones, little ones, silly ones, boring ones, and I decide knitting is okay for hats, but I will never do anything else with it. One day, I'm bored out of my mind making the umpteenth stockinette stitch hat when I pick up a double-pointed needle and just stare at it. Minutes later, I'm bolting out of the house, making a dash to grow my stash. I had an idea. Upon arriving home, I pull out the softest, prettiest shades of cream, chocolate, and the palest sage green. I admire my pretty yarns, and then I cast on. Not having any idea what I plan to do, I start knitting, back and forth. Then. Another brainstorm. What if I purled in the knit rows? Now, mind you, I had almost no exposure to books or other knitters at this time. So, I purled in the knit. And then decided to experiment with changing colors. Wow! 
Why hadn't I figured out that before? Now I'm knitting all the rows, followed by switching to larger needles. <laughs> what do you know? The stitches got bigger when I did that. I felt like a child just discovering a world outside their own house. I began to feel an overwhelming sense of wonder and excitement as I began to experiment further. Adding two yarns. Oh, taking a moment to dance a jig as I celebrated the latest added rows of beauty. Basket weave stitch. Making vertical rows instead of horizontal ones. Switching every couple of inches from cream to green to brown back to a blend of cream and a sparkly yarn. My eyes were opened. It was like an awakening inside of me. For a while, I put the magical scarf away. Then later, when I had grown as a knitter, I allowed myself to add a couple of more inches that display my growing love and understanding of this art form. As I grow in knitting, so does my scarf. I have no idea when I will finish it. Part of me hopes never. Whenever I look at it, it reminds me of the journey I am on and the discoveries waiting to be found. As I grow and mature, so does my scarf. But my favorite part is looking at the beginning of the scarf and remembering the ecstasy of the first discovery. I hope I never lose that joy or desire to learn and grow. Well, that's the long and short of it. So I have learned to never say never, except for embracing a never not knitting sort of never. Thank you so much, Kelly, for contributing your story to the podcast. I'm hoping that Kelly will share a picture of the never-ending scarf with us. So if she posts a picture, I will be definitely linking to it in this episode's show notes, as well as to Kelly's Ravelry page and knitting blog. When listening to Kelly's story, if you thought of a fun, personal knitting story that you would like to share on the podcast sometime, please email me. I'm always looking for more stories to share in future episodes. Sharing my listeners' knitting stories is one of my favorite things about this podcast. I just love hearing other people's experiences with their knitting. Again, you can find the show notes for this episode, as well as every other episode of Never Not Knitting, on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. I'd also like to briefly mention that if you are a member of Ravelry.com, please join the Never Not Knitting Ravelry group there. Our little group has grown to over a thousand members, and there's lots of great knitters, and we share photos of our projects, and it's a lot of fun. So I hope to see you there. And also, if you'd like, follow me on Twitter. You can find me there as Never Not Knitten without the G, because it wouldn't fit. Anyways, thanks so much for joining me today, and I'll see you next time in a couple of weeks. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking.
morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Stop rubbing again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants. No shirts. No underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yarn in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry It's even in the washer and dryer That's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, "Get up, let's go." But she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had